Ladies and gentlemen, this is the Sauce Town Stories podcast. I'm your host, Matt Cox. Uh, we're back after a one-week hiatus. We had a great guest last week uh, that had to cancel because of some kind of late-minute circumstances. Uh, but I just got done with this interview uh, with Dave Johnson, uh, Olympic medalist, um, star of some famous Reebok ads, uh, back in the day, and he's been doing a ton of great things uh, since his Olympic days as well as far as helping kids and um, a lot of great stuff that you'll hear in the interview. Um, so without further ado, we will go uh, to a quick word from our sponsor, Ash Creek, Oregon, and then get to Dave. The Capitol Building Goldman, Hoopla, the Art Fair, these are all Sauce Town staples. It's time to add another to the list. Ash Creek, Oregon Hazelnuts are the official sponsor of the Sauce Town Stories podcast and need to be the official sponsor of your taste buds this fall. They're roasted milk, my personal favorite, and dark chocolate hazelnuts will make you the star of any tailgate, go beeves, happy hour, or night by the fire pit with friends. Go to AshCreekOregon.com and order today. And after that quick word from our sponsor, Ash Creek, Oregon, I am joined uh, by an amazing guest today. Uh, he's an Olympic medalist. He's one of the USA track and field all-time greats. Uh, I knew him originally as my athletic director at South Salem High School. Uh, today, he is the vice principal and athletic director at Regis High School as he continues a long career working with kids. Uh, I am joined by Dave Johnson. Dave, how are you doing? I'm doing well, Matt. How are you? I'm, I'm doing fantastic. Where are you joining us from today? I am in Staten, Oregon, and on the campus of Regis High School. Beautiful Staten, Oregon. I love it. Um, yeah, thank you for uh, making time for us before work today, by the way. No problem. All right, Dave. Well, so to go ahead and kind of hop in, a lot of people obviously know you in, in, in multiple different capacities. Um, you're not actually originally from Salem, Oregon, but you've certainly become a staple of the, the Salem community. But to go ahead and start us off, just kind of, if you could introduce yourself and tell us a little bit about where you're from, where you grew up, and you know, maybe tell us a little bit about what your, uh, your childhood was like. I would love to, Matt. And again, it's a, it's an honor to, to hang out with you today, man. I remember you as an athlete, you were, uh, you're, you're pretty good, man. I appreciate and, that. And it's fun to, to do this with you. Yeah. I grew up in Missoula, Montana, uh, out in, uh, way up North out in, uh, where it's probably snowing already. And, uh, so, Back back in the nineteen gosh when was I born nineteen twelve feels like <laughs> uh, but uh, yeah Missoula was a small town a lot like a lot like Corvallis Oregon you know around um, maybe thirty thousand people at the time it's where the Grizzlies are uh, at the universities right there in town and uh, and and great childhood just uh, grew up without any video games to play every day had to ride my bike or run wherever I went and, uh, and really, really had a, had a good time, uh, growing up there. Uh, but once I got into the, you know, middle school ages, I, I played a little bit of baseball and was a, 
was a pretty good bowler. My parents were bowlers. And uh, so, yeah, I think I remember in sixth or seventh grade, I was already bowling up to where I'd bowled a 233 game or something like that. And, uh, and my average was around, you know, 160s or 170s and was a, was a really good bowler <laughs> and played baseball. And then once I, this is, this is uh, the crazy side of my stories. Once I, I, I entered into high school, Sentinel high school out there in Missoula, I ended up uh, not doing any sports at all. I didn't play sports and, and I was with a group of friends where it was more fun to, to goof off and we started drinking alcohol. We had a lot of alcohol situations uh, come into my, my life. It seemed like every weekend. And, uh, and we were also breaking into houses and stealing things. And I became this juvenile delinquent kid. So that was my first sport was uh, carousing and, uh, and running around town causing problems. Um, but, uh, you know, looking back at it, it was one of those situations where I, I was pretty athletic. All those things I was doing, even though it wasn't in a in a positive direction, uh, it it still kept me, uh, you know, in in an athletic environment. I still had to walk or run run away from the police, or you know, just was always running, always uh, moving around. I never sat at home. We just never this group of friends of, that I had. We we just never stay at home and just hang out. And uh, and so, but just before my senior year in high school. I, my dad was working for a woods product company and, uh, and they asked him, uh, it was going to be going out of business and they asked him, we need you in, in Corvallis, Oregon, or you can, we need you in uh, North Carolina. There was somewhere in North Carolina, this company had another plant for him to, to pick, to go to. And he chose Corvallis, Oregon. So just before my senior uh, year in high school, I moved to a new high school and found myself at Crescent Valley high school where, uh, I didn't know anybody. And, uh, and so I thought, okay, here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to lie to the coach and, uh, and let him know I'm a, I'm a football player. And, uh, and basically went into the situation, uh, letting him know I was a wide receiver and, uh, and that I'd played for years there in Montana. I figured he wouldn't check to see if it was true or not. And, uh, and the rest is history. I finally found sports. I finally was around coaches and teachers that really were trying to uh, see through the roughness of a kid, you know, and uh, and try to help him set goals academically and set goals uh, athletically as well. And in uh, just that environment, that sports environment, that being coached and being a part of a team became a, a big part of my life. Yeah, that's one thing. I know you, you and I certainly have, have talked in the past, and I knew you uh, were a, a little bit of a, a troublemaker at different parts uh, of, of your, your life growing up. But that, uh, as I was researching for to talk to you today, I was shocked that you, you know, a guy that went on to the Olympics, didn't play any sports for the first three years of high school. So then you go to Corvallis, and it seems like, a, you know, a, a switch flips to a certain degree where you, you start focusing and kind of start, um, you know, ha having some goals and figuring out what you want to do. Was there a particular moment or was there a particular coach or individual that it was like, pulled you aside and was like, Dave, like you have something special, but you got to sort of start figuring this out. But if you do, you know, you, you, you've got a ton of potential. Yeah. Yeah. I had a coach that did that once I had my, my freshman, my actually just before my freshman year in college, uh, there was a, 
a junior college coach that approached me and started talking to me about my potential and where he thought I could go. And I, you know, I never really thought about it before. And, uh, um, but really I think, um, that where it really started for me, where I had something just kind of shake me and, and wake me up. And, you know, that was with really good coaches. I could really sense their desire to teach me a sport to, you know, their love of football, their love of, uh, just the athleticism and, and creating teams that can be successful together and and teaching us individual roles within that team. Just, man, I really loved their enthusiasm. And I became just, I wanted to be a part of that. I wanted to, to do well for that person. And I could start seeing myself through their eyes, just generally, they, you know, their, their love of the sport and my role within it, I could see where I fit in and just, you know, I, I could see myself through their eyes and I could see myself greater than what I expected myself to be. Um, and, but, but the most important thing that happened to me that senior year playing football uh, for the first time is I was uh, with a, a, you know, the wide receiver groups and, and we would just talk a lot. And one of the other wide receivers spent a lot of time with youth groups in town and, uh, and invited me to a youth group. And I, and I started going to church a little bit and, and started just, just being a part of this youth group where we talked about Jesus Christ and, and his uh, desire for our life. And, <clears throat> excuse me. And, uh, and just through that influence, he, uh, he finally asked me, Dave, you know, you've been coming to the youth group with me quite a bit. And, you know, have you ever thought about accepting Christ as your, your number one person in your life, your, your, to, to rule your life. And I, and I remember letting him know I'd picked up the Bible and I read a lot of the new Testament. And, and so the big thing for me is I, I became a Christian that senior year during the football season. And, and so that, that, that one thing, that one coach that really was going to develop me to be something great someday became Jesus Christ. And, and, and I've had this feeling that, you know, if I gave everything I had for something that gave everything for me, it would uh, I don't know. It just, I just had this energy to appreciate that and, and to not sell that short. And, and, you know, it was a time in my life where I really needed to uh, make some changes and it, and, and it was a perfect timing for me. And, uh, and so from that day forward, I, you know, coaches, again, I started seeing coaches and their, and their, the qualities they had. And I, and we all have stuff that's not so perfect about ourselves. And, and I didn't see those things as much, you know, and, and I didn't, I wasn't as hard on myself either. And, and so I'd always think, see the positives of each day and in the people that were around me. And it just fed me, Matt, I'll tell you what, it, it, uh, it led me to, to really see a lot in myself. And, uh, and as a sports athlete, I, I mean, I just found I had all this ability, the speed in football. I was like the second fastest kid on the team, you know, and only training I had was running from the police, which was, something to not be proud of, you know, but at that time I, I could tell the Lord had developed me in a way that it was time for me to, to give all I had for something that wasn't for myself, you know, and, and wasn't towards trouble. And, uh, and the football coach was the track coach and he noticed that speed, you know, and, and put me on the track team. And then I found I had all this natural ability to hurdle and high jump. I ended up high jumping six, four, never done that before. And, uh, and, and again, going to the state in the Meyer relay, I could run under 50 seconds in a 400, um, early on like that. And, and, and again, it was, uh, energized by 
something that would never change. It was a coach that wanted me to develop something in myself so that I could be valuable for, for God. And uh, it's something I took very serious. And, and, and fortunately for me, I was able to find coaches that nurtured that in me and could see uh, how to bring the most out of myself um, as I developed my Christian side as well. Yeah, that's, that's amazing that you were able to kind of make that transition at 17, 18 years old, because we've all, mm-hmm. anybody that's played sports, they've been around guys or gals who everyone around them sees how good they can be, except for that person. Everybody yep. is telling them constantly how much potential they have. If they do X, Y, and Z, this is what they could do. And they can't flip that switch. And and it's, you know, for some, I mean, you, you see people in the, in even that make the pros and they're still a fraction of, of, of what they could be who have just freakish talent, but they can't ever flip that switch. So to do that um, at that age is, is pretty, pretty amazing. And it sounds like that was actually my next question is how did you transition to, to the decathlon, but it's not the uh, football coach and the track coach were the same guy. So that was a pretty logical move, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. And, and again, I think, it's hard as a kid, as a younger person, and, and even as you get older, you have people that tell you, man, you, you could really be great, you know, and it's hard to believe them, you know, it's, it really is. And, and for me, I, I, I was able to believe them because Christ, in, in my mind, God had put them in front of me for some reason. And for some reason, they were telling me this. So, so I would see myself through their vision, through their love of something of, of a sport and, uh, and, and through their expertise, through their, their excitement to bring the most out of kids. I, I wanted to do well for that, you know, and I wanted to, I mean, God had given me a abil- the ability to, to mentally just, um, be a part of that in a, in a great way. And, uh, and that's pretty much how it really, really started that, that psychological side of me really wanted to do well for for big reasons yeah and so to to move forward a little bit um obviously you you're a college athlete at at, uh, azusa pacific just to move as we kind of get toward uh where you're getting ready to participate in the olympics a lot of people um know you from at least originally kind of came to know you from a pretty iconic uh series of commercials um, called the Dan and Dave uh, commercials. It was bet- with yeah. yourself and Dan O'Brien, uh, each of you elite uh, U.S. decathletes. I mean, we yeah. look at, and these were massive, massive commercials. I mean, we look at track and field in the U.S., right? And we don't typically associate that sport with having athletes who are, you know, celebrity level or who are known by everybody, right? What did that feel like when those commercials came out and all of a sudden, I mean, you were a great athlete, but all of a sudden everybody knows who you are. Did it start to feel like you were kind of a a celebrity in that moment or how did, how did things shift when that happened? Yeah, it was, it was strange. It, uh, I'd already made an Olympic team before those commercials came out. I made the 88 Olympics and, and had my goal set to get to that next Olympic games and, and then Reebok came along and really wanted to uh, shoot those commercials. And I remember, yeah, I mean, it was it was strange to go places after again. Reebok spent twenty three to thirty million dollars that year 
it was the Olympic year for 1992 and um, shot 15 to 20 different versions of commercials and and they were on all the time. So everywhere I went, I mean, I'd run into people that, yeah, that's that Dave guy. Or most of the time they (laughs) they couldn't tell which one I was. That's the Dan or Dave guy. (laughs) And they didn't know which one I was most of the time. And same with Dan would say the same thing. He'd go places. Are you Dave or Dan? (laughs) And, uh, and just, it was strange. It was like another, the decathlon has 10 events, you know? So I saw that as my 11th event. Now it was something that, that uh, somebody had, you know, Reebok had invested a lot of money into um, the, the product that products that we were, excuse me, just had to clear my throat. Um, the products that we were using, they'd invested millions of dollars. And, and so I saw it as another event that I needed to put a lot of time into so I could represent that in a good way. And then at the same time, the spiritual side of me wanted to make sure I, I was a positive role model for, for those that I was going to, this platform was being built and I was, I needed to be a positive role model for that as well. But it was hard, man. I'll tell you what, there, everywhere you went, you had to do autographs and, and everybody wanted to talk and, and, and you just had no time to yourself. I mean, they, they showed that commercial so much that, you know, at the same time there was Michael Jordan and Bo Jackson was, in the Nike commercials and Dan and I were in the Reebok commercials. So we were just propelled at this level to, to compete with those guys. And, and, uh, <laughs> and we weren't prepared for that at all. And um, so it was really strange to, to, to have to take care of that. But it, it, in the end, it ended up being uh, um, again, one of those things that I took very seriously and, and uh, it, it could have been a huge distraction. I think it did distract Dan a little bit throughout that year. And uh, but I set myself self to make it to the Olympics and make sure I made that team regardless of uh, the commercials and all the celebrity status that was being built. And speaking of Dan, I mean, the the, the commercials obviously portray you guys as, as good buddies and um but obviously there, there, there's a level of you guys are the two best decathletes in the world. And there's both a, a single goal. There, there's a single goal and, and both of you want to get there and your competitors. I mean, what was that relationship with Dan? Like it was good. We were, we kind of got, we, we helped each other through it. I mean, the commercials that we, we shot, we spent, man, we, we'd get a call and, and it'd be like three or four days. We'd have to, be somewhere and so we'd work out at the track nearby and then go shoot parts of the commercial and you know we try to do get ready for the olympics as we shot all these commercials and um so we we helped each other through it yeah and the uh that's what's uh, with track and field athletes and especially decathletes it you become you, you get to know your competitors pretty well and you become friends and you're kind of you're up against uh each other sort of but you're more so against the clock you're against the the distance that you throw, you're trying to improve yourself and, 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 um, and you're focused on that more so than being better than the other athlete. Um, and yeah, I think to this day, you know, I just talked with Dan about a month ago, he's out in the Phoenix Scottsdale area and, and, uh, and we talk often and um, became great friends through the, the whole experience. So moving to the Olympics, as this is going on, um, Dan has a 
unfortunate turn where he actually doesn't score on the pole vault, which if I understand correctly, that's, I mean, if you're a decathlete and you put up a zero on one of the events, it really puts you behind the eight ball and he doesn't end up yep. getting to go to the, or excuse me, he doesn't get, end up getting to participate in the Olympics. Um, at this point, it's like, and this was, I, I'm excited to ask you about this because this was a kind of a crazy story uh, that I had forgotten about. I remember hearing about it years ago. You end up going and it's sort of implied like you're the guy now, you're getting the gold. You end up breaking your foot, still participating in the event or all of the events, I should say, which I have no idea how you do that. And you still pull out a bronze medal with a broken foot. What Take us through that. What do you remember about that day as this was all transpiring yeah yeah I'd, uh, i developed just this a pain in my in my right foot and it was a couple of weeks before the olympic trials that year so the commercials had all been airing and uh and i i'd scored pretty high i had the number one score in the world um a month before this pain started up in my foot and, uh, and so just so a few weeks before the Olympic trials I had this pain, I was thinking, okay, it's just a little tendon strain and took some time off and it didn't feel, feel better at all and showed up at the Olympic trials and, and I had to compete, you know, and, and I ended up winning the Olympic trials and, and Dan did not make a height in the pole vault and didn't make the team, but <clears throat> I limped off the track and, uh, and I'd broken Jenner, Bruce Jenner's American record as well in that meet. Um, but I was limping. I couldn't, I could tell something was really wrong with my foot. And so I went to a podiatrist and they, they did some scans of, of my foot and they found the navicular bone was, was fractured and that it was broken halfway through. And that, and they said, Dave, if you go to the Olympics and that bone breaks the rest of the way, and they think it, they were pretty sure it would, that it would cause structural damage throughout my whole foot. And, all the bones in the, the, my foot would just be a mess and they'd have to fuse them all back together. And I, I wouldn't walk or run normally ever again, kind of just this fear kind of factor happened. And, um, and, and I kind of looked at him and I said, wait a minute, I'm, I'm the Dave guy and dad didn't make it. <laughs> I said, I gotta go. Reebok's not gonna accept this. And that was the first thing I thought. And then I thought, wait a minute, you know, and I, I asked God, I mean, man, what, uh, what, why now? What, what is this? What is this story? What, why do I have to have this uh, happening just, you know, a month before I've got to go to the Olympics and, and compete and be the best in the world in this event. And, uh, and through prayer and, and just through uh, realizing that in life, things, things happen and you still, you still got to get up. You still got to go out there and, and do your best. And, and sometimes your best uh, isn't what your expectation is. But it's the but your best is whatever you can give in that day, and uh, and it can reach pretty high levels. And for me, I just I'm going to go to the Olympics, and 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 through that prayer, I decided I was going to go, and that uh, I'm going to do the best I can. I'm gonna, a miracle was going to happen. I was going to break the world record. You know, I had the highest thoughts of the situation, and uh, even with a broken bone, there's just no way I was going to ever that that this would be taken away from me. And uh, and so lots of pain trying to get ready for the Olympics showed up and, uh, and just, again, it felt like I had something stuck in my foot, like a knife had jabbed into my foot and I couldn't get it out or something. I ran each event and it just tremendous pain, Matt. It just hurt 
every time I stepped on it and uh, often wanted to quit. And through my coaches that were there and through prayer, uh, I was encouraged just to focus on, you know, what God was trying to see, be seen through me, what, what he wanted to have happen here was more important than myself or what the world wanted to see. Um, and, and through that um, influence, I was able to just focus on that and not quit. You know, I wanted to leave the stadium often and, and I knew I wasn't going to break any world records, but, and I didn't think I was going to win an Olympic medal at all with the scores I was posting in each event. And, uh, and again, I wanted to leave and, and uh, through prayer, I was, I just, it made me stay. And, uh, and sure enough, through, through struggling and, and doing the best I could with, with the, 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 the bone just constantly hurting, I, uh, you know, I struggled through it and was able to, again, I won the bronze medal and, uh, and did it with this fracture that ended up not breaking in half, but it fractured more when they scanned it at, after the Olympics, they scanned it again. And they said, Dave, it's, it's, it's broken more and it's splintered in another direction. So there's like two, two fractures in this bone now. And, uh, and so they ended up putting two screws in the bone and they did a bone graft on top of the bone to kind of make sure the environment was going to heal. And, um, and still to this day, I've, it still hurts a little bit here now and then, but, uh, but the struggle of, of life, you know, it's taught me a lot that in, you know, every day in life, you got to get up and do the best you can. And, uh, and, and for me, I did it for God. And so now I, as an educator, as somebody that works with kids every day and is one of those coaches that, uh, one of those people in kids' lives that I needed, I get to be that person now and let them know that, you know, you know, life's going to be tough. It's okay though. If you keep continue to do your best, uh, something good will always happen. You know, I'm able to say that with conviction and, and as an example. And, uh, so again, one of those amazing experiences, even though there was a, a broken bone in it, I was able to, to not be a quitter and was rewarded with the, with a bronze medal. Yeah. I mean, you think about an injury like that in any capacity, it's to, to play through that or, or compete through that, whatever is pretty incredible to do it in a, in a event, a sport where there's 10 different events you have to go through. Um, is a whole different level. Yeah. So that's, that's just an, an incredible, um, incredible story. Um, but you've, uh, I want to make sure we get to this cause you've done a heck of a lot since you were an Olympic athlete. I mean, take us through. So, so what happened 92, you get the bronze. What, what was next? What was your transition? Uh, next was, uh, you know, I was thinking I, I'm going to make it to the 96 Olympics. <laughs> mm-hmm. And, uh, and at the time I was working on a, I'd finished my undergrad in psychology and, uh, was still at a zoo specific university training and, um, and I'd gotten married in 1987. I was, I, I married my, my bride been married 34 years, Sherry, Sherry Jordan at the time. And, uh, and so, you know, I was continuing on into, uh, having children and, uh, and, and just, you know, beginning the future, my future with, uh, and I, and I thought I was becoming a dad and, and a strong husband. And then I was going to make that 96 team as well and go back and, and win the gold there since I just barely missed it in, in 92. And, uh, so I began training and, and just through the javelin for one year was, you know, I ended up having this, the surgery and it took four months to recover from that. 
Um, and then I just took, took slowly started working back into the decathlon training. And so that first year, just through the javelin nights placed, I was ranked number eight in the United States as a javelin thrower and, uh, and thought, well, I'll just throw the javelin then <laughs> make the Olympic team in the javelin as well. But, um, but uh, set my sights for the decathlon and, and for, for those four years, just, uh, it just worked hard to try to, to, to get ready for those Olympic trials in 1996, it was in Atlanta and uh, ended up getting plantar fasciitis <laughs> in my other foot. I think all that, you know, trying to train with still a little bit of discomfort in that right foot uh, had my left foot uh, start getting, you know, overusing your other side probably mm -hmm. is what I was doing and ended up with plantar fasciitis in my foot in my left foot at, uh, for a whole year, just trying to nurse that on into the 96 Olympics and, showed at the Olympic trials and, and ended up placing uh, sixth. You got to be the top three in order to make the Olympic team. And so 96 was it, you know, that was my last uh, decathlon and I retired. And, and again, I'd finished my undergrad in psychology. I was working on a master's degree in education with a focus on special ed and, uh, and started to set my sights for uh, being a special educator, teacher, administrator, and uh, and giving back to the communities that I live in. Yeah, and you've spent the the greater part of twenty plus years doing just that in various capacities: administrator, coach, teacher. Um, do many of your kids that you've worked with do they know who you are, or are they are you just <laughs> Mister Johnson? Yeah, early on they did. <laughs> yeah, but as the years have passed, <laughs> yeah, it's. Uh, they, they don't really know. And, and, uh, until their parent, you know, once in a while, the parents will say something that ask him if he's that Dave from, from way back, back when the parents remember the commercials. And, uh, and so the kids will come to me, are you the, the Dave from the Dan and Dave thing? My mom wants to know or something like that. And I'll, and then I get to open up the stories and, and have them look it up on the internet where there's still commercials and, um, that, uh, they play on YouTube and, um, so there's, yeah, it's so not very often though, not as much as it used to be. Yeah. That, that speaks highly of you. You're a, you're a humble guy that, that not a lot of people know that. I think I, I might be out there advertising my, my Olympic medal a little bit more. <laughs> um, <laughs> I'm always, so I'm always interested to ask this to people that, that have, that have been, you know, elite level athletes. Cause I certainly have not from when you're coaching kids or, or any level being, you know, that, that you were, an elite Olympic athlete, is it ever difficult to kind of, um, I don't know if identify is the word, but to, to try to put yourself in, in the headspace and athletic ability space of somebody who maybe wasn't as gifted as you and to be able to understand why things, whether it's in track or elsewhere, uh, may come a little harder for them. Yeah. Yeah. It's, uh, and again, I think my, my story of uh, just not being an athlete at all and, you know, the, the potential that was always there, you know, if I could just find that mental outlook that would uh, provide that, that motivation for me to, to become what, why, what I eventually became, you know, that's as an educator, as a coach, that's what I, I just focus on. And I try to have kids 
um, see themselves maybe through what I think could happen in their future. You know, I see themselves through my eyes and I believe the greatness in them. I talk to kids, middle schoolers all the time and, and, uh, and, and talk to their classroom and, and I, I let them know you could be the future president of the United States someday, you know, or you, you can be whatever you want to be, but you really got to focus on school. You got to, uh, you got to really focus on trusting adults and, and uh, believing in yourself through, through people that want to teach you things. And I'm able to, to send that message to them and be authentic with that. Cause if without that in my life, man, I would have, I would have never made it. So, so yeah, every once in a while there's some kids that, you know, seniors in high school that really wanted to make it to the pros and, and, you know, just, it just didn't work out that way for them. And uh, so I'm often working with kids and parents and, and we just sit down and we talk about, well, you know, sports are, were really important to me, but you know, what became more important was becoming a, an educator, be, be working with special education. And, and I got a master's degree in special ed and, and working with kids, you know, the most rewarding time in my life wasn't the athletics. You know, it creates a platform for me to be able to talk about things. But the most rewarding thing in my life is working with a kid that was just a little bit behind in a class and and uh, and was not coming to school, was afraid to be there, and was getting farther behind. And I was able to identify right where they were at in, let's say, math or something and, and have them see that it's not that far away if we set our goals to, to catch up, you know, and it might take a year or two, but with with help, I can see you being just just as good as anybody else in math. And, you should, and, and all we have to do is, is you know, I would coach them. Um, we just have to satisfy these few goals and we're going to get there. And so the most rewarding thing in my life has been working with kids that just now they see the light, they see their future and are confident in, in themselves because of, uh, of the training I've had in special education um, and, uh, and really influenced their lives in a positive way where they, they know that, you know, they'll get a job someday and just be successful at, at whatever level that is. And um, so I'm able to sit with parents and, and that kid and just say, the most important thing is who you become as a person. And, uh, you know, and at this school at Regis, I'm a, it's a Catholic school and I'm able to talk about God and, and I mean, God is going to take you in ama- amazing places. It could be, <clears throat> you could be a coach. You could be a, who knows when you go to college, try continuing with football or something. But, but the most important thing is believe in yourself, believe in what uh, God could be doing in your life and, and anything can happen. And I'm able to be an example for that. Yeah. I know that the last 20 plus years, a lot of kids, including myself at South Salem high school, have gotten the the chance to work with you and, and are very lucky to have had that opportunity. Um, so thanks for that, Dave. Um, before yeah. we get you out of here, I know you got school starting here soon. Are you down to do a, uh, <laughs> I got a quick rapid fire round for you with some quick short answer questions. All right. All right. Favorite Salem, Oregon <laughs> restaurant to take your wife out to? Uh, we go to um, the Acme quite a bit. Good Acme call. I'm a fan. The one on uh, on Liberty. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Great spot. And then Amadeus, too, if we want to spend a little more money. <laughs> we go to Amadeus quite a bit, too. So. Have that's you been to Amadeus? A, oh, I love Amadeus. When I was in, uh, when I was living in Oregon, that's where if I was doing my family birthday in Salem with my parents and brother, we would we would always go to 
Amadeus, uh, incredible hummus, uh, at m- multiple really good app. Everything there is amazing. I, I, I vividly remember that hummus though being incredible. Yeah. Okay. Favorite travel destination you've been to? Travel destinations. Uh, I think, man, we like Hawaii. We end up in Maui, uh, and, uh, spend time there just to, to be in the warmth and look at the waves and, you know, kind of get away from everything. So I would probably pick Maui as the, my favorite. Best thing or something really good that you've either read, watched, or listened to recently. Um, I would say the left behind series, uh, reading all of those, uh, and I, I reread them and then, and just, just hold on to the, the reality of, of what's happening currently in our, in our lives and, uh, and how things can change so rapidly. Um, and that, uh, it's, you know, reading the Bible is, uh, one of my favorite things to do just to stay in, in, in touch with, uh, what is always bigger than me and, uh, wants me to, to be, uh, strong, strong for him. The coolest celebrity that you've met in your life coolest celebrity uh you know i think the <clears throat> the coolest celebrity would have to be and I, i've met a bunch of people through the years i really have and, you know played golf with michael jordan uh julius irving um past basketball player dr j um but you know amazing the most amazing person i guess is bruce jenner he is one of those people that uh you know struggled a lot through his childhood and, uh, and has now, and now when I talk to her, it's Caitlin and, uh, and she is changing people's lives. She is traveling around the U S now working with kids that are having issues with, uh, trying to figure out who they, who they are, um, and sexually and, and are, and are transgender and they're, they're really having a difficult time and, and a lot of, a lot of kids, and I'm seeing them in the high schools now too, where, where that identity issues is, is just so strong, and there's there's so much bias against against them that they they don't want to live, and uh, and they're they're hurting themselves, and and so Caitlyn Jenner is someone that's uh, got a platform where she goes out into the world and into the United States, travels around, and works with these kids that are have been identified and are asking for help, and. Uh, and helping these kids not hurt themselves is, is, uh, been an amazing thing for me to, to see every day and be able to talk to her, you know, once, once in a while we, we talk about how, how it's going and, and, uh, and she, she's, uh, she's pretty amazing. So he was a role model. I got to break his records (laughs) and, uh, and through it all, she, lets me know that, uh, you know, there, there's still bigger things. There's kids out there that need us to, uh, focus on them and just come, come at, come towards them in a neutral way to, to help them get through the, the tough things that are happening to them. Yeah, that's, that's a front, um, we've made progress on, but there's certainly a, a long way to go. Um, yeah. Dave, do yeah. you have any, I know you're a, a busy guy with, uh, all the different things you do any uh any hobbies that you really enjoy aside from from work and uh yeah, play golf you know i try to get out and play not as much as i used to uh, 
the biggest hobby, I guess, would be coaching. And I'm not an official coach, but I try to get out there and coach javelin and work with kids uh, in track and field. Um, I used to mountain bike quite a bit, but here in Oregon, it rains quite a bit. So it's hard to hard to get out and mountain bike. So I guess my number one hobby right now would be golf and uh, and just coaching. Got it. All right, Dave. Well, before we get out of here, um, as always, I give you an opportunity. Um, first off, I know you're not a big social media guy, um, but if there's anywhere people can follow you or if there's any causes you want to shout out or any people that you want to shout out, and I know you're big with the um, Fellowship of Christian Athletes. Really, the floor is yours if there's any final words or shout outs uh, that you want to promote here. Yeah, yeah, I would say. Uh, get involved with your local fellowship of Christian athletes, young life as well. Great youth organization that uh, is working with kids and trying to at least be there for them. If they're seeking to grow spiritually and, uh, and you know, I, I'm, I'm on Facebook. I don't have my address. I'm not on there very much to tell you the truth. Uh, social media is not, I just, uh, uh, I just added you. So make sure to accept my request so I can tag you when I, when I post this. Right. <laughs> okay. Yeah, I will. I'll get you. And, uh, and just the, the biggest causes, you know, it is getting through, you know, just get getting through what's going on in, in our world right now that there is truth to, you know, cultural bias. Um, and it's just how we are. We, we as human beings, we, we are, grow up with experiences that create bias uh, and, and the more, I mean, I, the more we just kind of focus on how to break through those things, we can still be ourselves and recognize how we just generally like to be. And, and, but there's times where we've just got to recognize that, that there's people around us that could, could be influenced by that in a negative way. And, uh, so the, the biggest thing I I've been really focusing on is how to help myself focus on those things. And, and again, it's a whole nother, another event for me. <laughs> event of the decathlon is to recognize the bias that I have and, and the cultural tendencies that I do have and, and make sure it's not hurting others as I, as I work on improving those. Well, thanks again, Dave. Uh, this has been an incredible interview. It's been great just talking to you because it's been so long since we chatted. But um, yeah, thanks again for carving out time for us today and uh, have an awesome rest of your day. You too, Matt. Nice talking with you.